Welcome to the Learning to Thrive podcast, where we have real conversations with real people about real life. And now, here's your host and my friend, David Higginbotham. Hi, I'm David Higginbotham, and this is the Learning to Thrive podcast. Thanks for taking some of your time to invest with us and to hear the stories that we're sharing and to hear the the testimonies that are coming out of our conversations about how men and women, maybe perhaps like you, are and have been experiencing the love and the grace and the mercy and the peace of God along the way through their journey in life. My guest tonight is a long-term friend, Dixie Gazak. Uh, I knew her many years ago as Dixie Marchman. We we grew up in the same town, and uh, my best friend was her cousin. And that's how we got Delbert introduced you and me, Dixie. Hi, Dixie. Hi. Say hello. Hey, it's so good to be with you. It is. Dixie, t- t- tell our listeners where you live and how long you've lived there. I'm in Concord, North Carolina, which is just outside of Charlotte. I'm like five minutes from the Charlotte Motor Speedway. Ooh, so you can see and the racing going on. we've been up here 36 years. Uh, oh, wow. That's a long time. That's good. Yeah. Well, D- Dixie and I have known each other for many years. Her brother was in the church that we pastored in Apopka uh, many years ago, and uh, we grew up in the same town. Our, my father and Dixie's father knew each other through business and were friends. And so we have a long, a long-term history. Although we haven't lived in the same town, Dixie, for a long, long time. It's, I know, very it's, long time. It's been, well, you've been in Charlotte area for 36 years. We've lived away from uh, Apopka for 31, 32 years, pretty close to that. And mm-hmm. so uh, we've gone different directions, but over the years we've stayed in touch here and there. And thank God for Facebook. It's so nice to stay connected. <laughs> thank God for Facebook. I'm connected with so many people, so many people from my past through thank, through Facebook. And Dixie, uh, Dixie has some, so, some interesting things that have happened in her life and She's agreed to come and share with us some of those things in in this session and perhaps some others as well. Dixie, we're going to start the story um, back more than 36 years ago mm-hmm. when uh, you said you wanted to talk about, tell us, tell us how, how you and Andy, Andy was Dixie's husband. So tell us how you and Andy got together and, and, and how this portion of the story begins. Okay, we actually met in the church choir at Calvary Assembly in Winter Park, Florida. Oh, yeah. And a mutual friend set us up. And she just, the one thing she didn't know, though, was for like a year before I ever joined the choir, my friend Lisa and I, we would go to Calvary and we would sit in the balcony and Andy got my attention. He was in the choir on the back row, but he was so expressive, you know, and I'd be saying to Lisa, oh, look at that cute guy. Isn't he cute, you know, and things like that. And never in a million years thinking I would ever meet him. Sure, you know? of course not. And so then this mutual friend in choir, when she all of a sudden wanted to introduce us, she had no clue. Mm-hmm. And I was like, jumping up inside on the up and down on the inside so excited i'm like but trying to play it cool like oh yeah that's nice to meet him (laughs) (laughs) and she set up 
like a picnic for the choir and we we got together there and just really hit it off and one thing led to another and a year later almost to the day we were married wow so the choir had us almost immediately like within a couple of months they were thinking we should be engaged they were like have you gotten her a ring yet <laughs> you know do you have a ring yet and I'm like no it's, give it time. it's good to have friends who are encouraging you <laughs> mm -hmm, exactly um so anyway, we, we got married. Before that, though, we ended up going on the road with Festival of Praise, a touring choir. Right. And Andy was part of the Spurlows in that group. And right. so that's how we started out our married life. Actually, even being engaged, we did like three months on the road, engaged, and then about three more months being married. And then wow. we came off and kind of set up home. And just a few months after that, he was asked to go to PTL to become one of the original PTL singers. Right. And so we that's moved when to you guys Charlotte moved. then, yeah. and we were here for one year, and I ended up getting pregnant and homesick, and we went back to Florida. Right. And uh, we were there for five years and then decided we really liked Charlotte. Yeah. And Andy had actually started doing full-time music ministry by that time. And Charlotte was a good location for traveling. Right. And it was right between my family and his. His was mm -hmm. up in New Jersey. Mm -hmm. And so it put us right in the halfway mark. And so, you know, we came back and loved the area. It's a beautiful place. And, um, you know, it's kind of interesting when you're in ministry, people think everything should be okay. <laughs> you know, we were supposed <laughs> oh, yes. to have the perfect lives. Of course. And, you know, people would look at us from the outside sometimes and maybe think we did. Of course. But um, that certainly was not the case. You know, we had, we had a lot of issues that started coming up. So it wasn't sunshine and roses, blue skies and green lights. Mm -mm. So there were conflicts and things began to exactly. develop. Yeah, and that the truth is that almost always happens, and, and, and it's, it is one of those things. No marriage gets to ten years without walking through some of those crises. It's exactly, because we're we're human beings, and we're mm -hmm. bringing together two human beings and their family histories and all those kinds of things. So, mm -hmm. so you're in Charlotte. You're yeah. in Charlotte. You've got one or two children at this time? By then we had two. Okay. Kyle was four months old when we moved back up here. And he's the baby of the family. So Wow. It, it, that's so that's so amazing. Well, <clears throat> what uh what happened? I mean, you guys were in ministry, he's traveling ministry, doing singing and other things mm -hmm. and you know, there were there were a lot of different things. You know, some things people may not consider major, but we did have a lot of financial issues. Mm -hmm. He also, and you know, this is nothing that's not public knowledge really, but he he had an issue with controlling. He loved to be in control. Right. And that definitely created some issues. He also had some anger issues. He was never physically abusive or anything like that, but he did like to yell. Mm. He, um, and he would tell me constantly, it's not you, you know, he would get upset with things, but I would, you know, I would be on the receiving end of that. Even if 
it wasn't necessarily because of me or directed at me. I was still receiving it. And, you know, those are the kind of things that really played into it. And, did it, you know, did over it feel, course, did it feel, course of time. Did it feel like it was you? It felt like it. Yes. Yeah. And I would tell him that. I'm like, you know, it doesn't matter what it's all about. I'm the one receiving it. Mm. You're taking it out on me. And right. um, there were just a lot of things like that. And, you know, it just continued to get worse and worse. And he, he had issues. Um, he had a lot of insecurity. He was raised in a home that was not loving. And see, I was raised in a very loving Christian home. Right. And so our worlds were completely different. Mm. And so coming into that, he, he couldn't always understand my world and understand the closeness I had with my family and things like that. He, he struggled with that and he struggled sometimes um, just with relationships. He wanted them so badly that sometimes he tried too hard, mm. you know, and the thing I, I think he had a good heart and I, I loved him, but we still struggled through a lot of these things, you know, and it finally got to the point, um, came about the time my dad was diagnosed with cancer and I was very much a daddy's girl. I was right. very, very close to my dad. I mean, right. you know that. And I did not handle that well. Hmm. I'll admit I, it just wasn't a good thing. Let's just say that. Right. And when I knew my dad was dying, it's like something snapped in me and I didn't care about some stuff. And I'm like, I don't need to put up with these things. I don't need to stay in this marriage. And one of the things that happened during that time, and I didn't realize it until I looked back later, but I had these thoughts. I allowed these thoughts to come into my mind. And I have learned since then, it is so important to guard your heart and your mind. Right. You, you can't just let any thought come in there and fester. You have to be so careful of what you allow. Mm -hmm. And during that time, I was thinking, wow, it would be so much better to not be in this marriage. You know, it'd be so mm -hmm. much better to get a divorce and starting to just think things were better, you know, out there without that being single, having freedom, all of those things. Well, I not only thought those things, but I started doing things to back up my thoughts. I would read the books that backed up my opinion and my, mm. my thinking about that, about divorce and about things like that. I would listen to music that would back it up or give me ideas about how awesome it would be not to be married, you know, and <laughs> So, I just fed it. I nurtured those thoughts that were inappropriate. Basically. You had you had the beginning development of a goal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I don't know if you've heard the term before, but where the mind mind goes, the man follows, mm. or the woman follows. True. Whatever. That's so true, because what had happened in my mind, I had already divorced him, like right. over and over and over you know? Right. And I was raised, I was raised in a Christian home and I was raised to think that when I got married, it was for life. Mm -hmm. You know, this is not something I took lightly. You know, I didn't, I know some people think nothing of getting divorced or jumping into that. That was not me, believe it or not. But 
because of all the thoughts and the things that had gone on in my mind during that time, when it finally came time, when I hit my breaking point, I guess, or whatever you want to call it, and I told him, I want out. I want a divorce. It was like the easiest thing ever. In spite of my background, in spite of how I was raised, because I had allowed it to already happen in my mind so many times, I had played it over and over, that scenario, right. that it was like I had already done it before, and so it was an easy thing to do. Wow. Wow. And, what, and I didn't was, realize what was, what it at the time. Andy's I didn't response? realize how much my mind played into that until later when I looked back. Right. In retrospect, you're looking at what was his response mm -hmm. when you said, I want out? Oh, he was devastated. He he absolutely did not want a divorce. He didn't want a separation. He didn't want to have anything to do with it. He didn't understand what the problem was. <laughs> you know. And it's, um, let me just pause real quick. Uh -huh. That is a. It's not universal, but it's a very typical man response uh -huh. to be caught off guard by the emotional reality of what's been going on over here in my wife and what's been happening between us and what it could ultimately lead to. It's not uncommon at all for a guy to go, what? Because his mind is so focused over here that he's not connecting with the reality of what's happening over on your side of the table. Exactly. And uh, it, it is, it's, it's very, very common for uh, a man to be caught broadside without, and just, it doesn't mean that he hasn't seen the problems. It just means they haven't gotten his attention at the same level. Well, they didn't bother him like they did me. Of course <laughs> you not. Know, He's like... on the giving end of it and you're on the receiving end of it. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And so, you so know, what happened? I mean, you, you we actually, this was like February before my father died in April. Mm -hmm. My dad died April 1st of 91. And yes. we decided that we were not going to do anything as far as physically separate or anything until after he died. We didn't know right. when that was going to be. But we were like, there's enough going on right now. But sure. this is what's happening. This is the deal. You know, and mm -hmm. so we just, we waited. And then after my dad died, then Andy moved out and he actually went and stayed with my mom for a while until we both got separate apartments. Um, we left the place we were living. We both got apartments in the same complex to make it easier on the kids. Well, that's, which, a good, that's, that's not a good something you usually see either, no, but not. you know, even though we were messed up, we wanted to make it a priority to make sure the kids were as good as they could be under the circumstances. Sure. And so we didn't do any kind of custody battle or anything like that. And we gave them complete freedom to go back and forth between us. Yeah. And, you know, I, they seem to do very well with it. They came out okay, believe it or not. <laughs> All things considered, um, sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. really, but that was a top priority for us. You well, know, that's it was an important, like in spite of our difficulties and differences, they had to be top priority and be taken care of. And and that's an important thing to keep in mind is that when when parents are when when things are falling apart in the relationship between husband and wife, it doesn't mean that parents can't act in what is quote unquote a responsible way mm -hmm. regarding the kids to try to do as best they can 
to, to, to help protect the kids as much as possible. It's, there's always damage that happens, but mm -hmm. I appreciate you guys uh, doing what you could do under the difficult circumstances that you were in mm -hmm. to try to make sure that your kids were, uh, were covered as best you could. Yeah. We just felt that was very, very important. And it seemed to work well for the kids. I mean, they seem to be pretty comfortable with it. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's never a good thing. No, it's never. But, but we made the best of it and we moved forward and we actually got to the point where I was pursuing a divorce. He, he just did not want that at all. He was totally against it every step of the way. And, you know, for the most part, I mean, you knew Andy a little bit too. He's sure. very loud, very demonstrative. He's very dramatic. He, <laughs> I mean, he that, was he there. Did, that's what he does. <laughs> I mean, he was a singer and uh, he also was in all these dramas and different things. So that's his yeah. personality. He's had this big, larger than life personality sometimes. Yes, he did. And so when I, when I talked about things, well, you know, the things that were wrong and all of that, and that, oh, he did everything. You know, he was the one that was totally at fault for everything. Everybody bought into that. So your because narrative. Because of our or, personalities. Well, yeah. With Dixie, you've always been nice and sweet and kind and quiet. And I mean, you know, just you've always had that sort of persona. Mm -hmm. Just a sweet girl, my goodness. So when you tell people, here's what this guy's doing to me. And you believe it, obviously. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If that's that's really going to probably become the story. Exactly, and that's what happened, you know. And everybody believed that he was like totally at fault that I did nothing wrong, you know. I was a sweet little angel. Of course. And, <laughs> <laughs> but I tell you, I got my eyes opened wide. When I took that... a divorce recovery class. Yeah, tell and... us about that because it, it it's obvious that the narrative that you were committed to and the way you saw and, and you're not telling a lie. You're, you're just telling your perspective mm -hmm. on, on the nature of your relationship, but some things began to happen that opened your eyes in a different way. Tell us about that. You, the divorce recovery uh, group that you were part of and how that began to give you some different perspective on your relationship with Andy. Well, we used a book called growing through divorce and you know, when I signed up for the class, Andy really thought, oh, that's the nail in the coffin. That's, it's done. She's moving on. She's doing this class. There's no chance. There's no hope. It's over. And it actually had the complete opposite effect on me. And we, I guess it was a few chapters in, so a few weeks into the group, we came to a chapter on personal responsibility. Mm. <laughs> and Oh my goodness. It was like getting punched in the gut. <laughs> it was like, Oh my goodness. This is not a pretty picture. Mm. Um, I started having my eyes open to the things that I had done. His things were more blatant and more obvious. Mine were much more subtle because of my personality, sure. but I fit into the problems too, you know, and because of, how I was feeling about things, I guess I did things that probably made him even more insecure and things like that, you know, so I did different things and it just, it just 
made the situation escalate, I guess, and just get worse. But yet I never saw it. I never saw my part in anything mm. until I took that class. And so as I started accepting responsibility for my part in things, things started changing a little bit. And in what, in what way? Things started changing in, in your mind? I mean, your, your mind and your emotion and your perspectives? I think I was seeing him a little bit differently, for mm. one thing. Also, he was, he was getting counseling, too, and he was working on trying to let go a little bit more and not be as controlling and things right. like that. And so, you know, we never did marriage counseling. What we did, we both individually worked on our relationship with the Lord. Mm. And as we did that, he started healing things between us. And so we were going this way and then he started healing this way. Right. And it was a process, you know, it didn't happen overnight or anything like that, but we, we started seeing each other a little bit more. We would talk, things were friendlier. I mean, not that they were horrible before. I mean, we always kind of got along even, um, even during the separation and divorce, but I don't know. It just started getting a little bit more comfortable again. And we started seeing each other a little bit more frequently, talking a little bit more. Um, after a few months, we actually started dating again. Wow. <laughs> this was, um, let's see, this was after the divorce was final. Right. So it was, it was really kind of weird because our divorce, we never had an anniversary where we were not legally married. Our anniversary is May 28th, and so we separated um, in April of 91. The divorce was final in June of 92. No, wait a minute. No. Yeah. Hmm. In June of 92, and then we got remarried on our anniversary in 93. Because <laughs> God worked a miracle and worked things out, and there again. And your friends, your friends are going, what? <laughs> I know. It's like, are you crazy? What's what? wrong with you? I remember um, talking with your brother. During, you know, yeah, about, what did he say? I'm curious. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, he, you know, he was, he was like, I can't, I, I don't know what's, what she's doing. You know, I was, <laughs> You know, everybody thought I was crazy. And, yeah, well, you know, yeah. even his counselor, she wanted to see me at one point. And I had told him at one point, I said, I finally reached the point where I said, I'm open to getting back together if it's something God does. I said, but I don't want it and I'm not going after it. <laughs> you know, but I, I mean, I tried to be as honest as I could be. I said, this right. is this is where I'm at. But I have finally reached the point that I am open if God does it. You right. know, I wasn't even open to that before. I mean, sure. it was like people would tell me they were praying for us to get back together. And I would I would be so upset. I'm like, don't, do don't, that. don't you dare. <laughs> I don't want that. It's not happening. Um, so anyway, so it was a big transition to get to that point. And um <laughs> the counselor called me in because I had told Andy that and she basically called me a liar and mm. said, quit leading him on. Right. You have no intention of getting back with him. Right. And I'm like, 
excuse me? You know, it's like, I meant exactly what I said. I said, I was very honest. I was very upfront with him. And I told him I'm up, you know, I'm open to it. If God does it, I said, I let him know. I still wasn't going after it. I, I didn't want to get back together, but I was open if God did it. Hmm. And as we moved along, that's what God did. And he totally changed my heart and my thinking, you know, and we were able to resolve things and work things out, but it was a God thing. It wasn't, Right. wasn't me you know god god worked in spite of me he worked on me in spite of me you know because i was fighting every bit of the way and and what was happening it seems is a change was happening in your heart oh yeah and exactly and one of those changes was you and you mentioned this a minute ago you were confronted with this issue of taking personal responsibility for your own actions, attitudes, and motives. Mm-hmm. And it's, that's, that's a big, that's a big deal, Dixie. I mean, when a person is willing, when a person not only is willing, but then begins actually to say, yes, that, that was me. I was doing that here. I've used this illustration a number of times, but years ago when in basketball, when a foul was called on a player, they were expected to raise their hand. Mm-hmm say yeah that that was me but in our culture that type of practice has long since gone away and we want to find a way to blame the other person or other people in general that's so true for the choices that i've made you know and and you through that course got confronted with that and and dixie the thing that i'm that I'm blessed by is that you embraced it and said, I, and I'm sure it wasn't a simple thing to do, but you said, Oh my goodness, this is, this is true. Mm-hmm. Yes, very much so. So talk to us. Hard. It was very hard to do. It was, it was not a pretty picture, you mm-hmm. know, to have to look at yourself and see, Oh, I did this and this. I really did contribute to this. Mm. I'm not this innocent person that I thought I was. I'm not, I'm right. not this little angel that, you know, never does anything wrong. And mm. it was painful. I'm sure. I have to admit, but it changed my life also because as a result of that, I mean, I've tried to live that way definitely ever since then with mm. anything. And, if I make a mistake, if I mess something up, as hard as it may be, I try to admit it, you know, whether it's in a work situation or at home or whatever. And that's not always easy to do. But, you know, I, I make the issue, I want to own up to whatever I do. You know, I'm, I'm not perfect. I, I mess up plenty, you know, but I want to take full responsibility for whatever I do to this day. Well, it's an essential element of of, of maturity, mm-hmm. both um, emotionally uh, and psychologically. It's it, it, when you can own your own stuff, you, it shows that you're growing up, you're maturing. Mm-hmm. It's an essential element of spiritual maturity as well. Yeah, being willing to say yes, you know, like like the old spiritual, it's it's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Mm-hmm. And that coming to the place where you embrace that type of attitude is it's a, it's essential for relationships. If they hope, if, if there's any hope of them being mended, mm-hmm. 
when there's been a rupture, particularly like the one you and Andy had. That's true. If the, if if each party is not willing to say, "Hey, I'm willing to own my stuff. Yeah, I contributed to this. I'm really sorry," mm -hmm. then there's an opportunity or there's a possibility mm -hmm. that things might be able to be restored. But it's not a guarantee. And you guys came to a place where you were willing to say, let's do this again and do it in a different way. Mm -hmm. And I won't, I won't say it was completely perfect or without struggles oh, even yeah, after we got not. remarried. But I will say, I think one thing by taking personal responsibility and seeing my part in things, I think I was able to give more grace, mm. maybe, um, and see see his heart maybe in a lot of things more so than I did before, knowing like some of his actions he hated, you know, he mm. hated it as much as I did, but he didn't, he, he struggled to overcome it, you know, but he wanted to, and he constantly prayed about it, and you know, ask God to help him and he would get better and everything. But, um, I think part of it, and I hate to say this, but I don't, I don't think he ever fully allowed God to heal him from a lot of his emotional wounds mm. that he had, you know, he never yeah. fully embraced all of that, that he could have, mm. you know, and, mm. and so he lived a lot of his life hurting in a lot of ways. And I think I understood that more and was able to give more grace than I did initially. Okay. So you were able to see Andy in a different light. I think I saw his heart more. Okay. Maybe that's part of it. Sure. I knew, I knew he had a good heart. Mm. You know, I, he really did. And, and I don't think I, I allowed myself to see that sometimes. I let some of the other things overshadow that. Right. But because you had come to grips with some of your own contribution and you'd seen some of your own faults involved in the relationship, you were, do you think that helped you to see him differently and to give more grace? Oh, because absolutely. You were yes. seeing that. In, in because I needed it too. You know, <laughs> once I realized, truth? oh, I had a lot to do with this too. Isn't that the you know, truth? He has a lot to deal with with me that I didn't realize. <laughs> You know, so, yeah, that no. that changes the picture. <laughs> no, that can't be true. I know it's hard to believe, right? <laughs> Not, <laughs> but yeah, that's, we all have our stuff. You know, that's that's a really really important phrase for us to remember. Uh, you know, it, it should be on every refrigerator in the country. We all have our stuff. <laughs> Exactly. We do. Nobody's perfect. Nobody has mastered everything. Right. Um, and we all, we all need to, to learn to work together and give grace, give mercy. Um, yeah. The, the thing that, that you, I was talking with you about before, the thing that we're trying to do on this podcast is, is as people share their stories about it's about how they've encountered the grace and the mercy and the love and the peace of God along the way. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we, we have these kinds of, sometimes we have tragedies that happen in our lives. Sometimes we have disruptions and we have all kinds of things that go along. And if, if we, if we respond 
in a way with an open heart toward God, there's an opportunity for us to begin to experience that. And that sounds like what you guys were able to do. Mm-hmm. Talk, talk to us a little bit about the going forward with the remarriage. I mean, going forward with that. Okay. Um, see, so we got, we actually kept separate apartments until we got remarried and we had bought a house and we moved in the day after we got remarried. <laughs> we moved into our house in Charlotte and you know, moving forward, he, he had actually stopped the music ministry during the separation and divorce. And so mm-hmm. not too long after we got back together, that started back up. And also as a result of that, um, because of the divorce recovery class and some other things I had been involved in at the life care center at our church, the counseling center, they actually asked me to come on board and lead workshops. And so a new ministry kind of birthed out of all of that for me that I had never been involved in anything like that before. And I had been so terribly shy. I mean, you know, as a kid, I do. as a teenager and all, I was that shy. Was, that must've been a real stretch for you, Dixie. I, it it was very much but you know what's so amazing is when when you feel like god is leading you in something and you step out in obedience mm-hmm. in spite of how uncomfortable it feels mm-hmm. he gives you the ability to do what he's called you to do mm-hmm. and that's what he did in those situations and you know i'm a person <laughs> when i first started at the counseling center like going to groups I was in their guinea pig group, basically the very first group they ever had there. Mm. And when it would come my turn to speak, when they went around the circle, I would say pass. I didn't even <laughs> want to speak in the group, much less be in front of the group leading. You know, And so for God to bring me from that point right. to actually leading workshops and everything was quite incredible. Yeah. And then down the road, well, you know, initially when Andy started doing concerts, <laughs> I, if I went out with him early on, I would sit in the back and I would right. give him instructions. Don't right. you dare introduce me. Right. Because I was, I didn't want any attention brought to myself. I was so, so shy. Well, from that, it went to where I started going with him and I would not only be introduced, but I would go up on the platform and sign. He would sing Greatest Thy Faithfulness. He would right. share our testimony. And then I would sign the song as he sang it. Right. And, you know, signing was something I started doing early on in our marriage um, as far as learning it and everything, but never expected to use it in that capacity. Because it was it was a way that you could communicate and not have to speak. (laughs) Not that I tell you the the main thing, the real draw for that with um, for that is the worship. I mean, that's something that. Yeah. There's just something about that. There are times I just, I have to do it. You know, I can't hold it in. And signing is just incredible um, for me. But anyway, I started doing that with him. And that was the extent of it. And then there came a time that he was actually, he was trying to book a concert in Texas, as a matter of fact. And the pastor there his niece was a friend of ours. I think it was in the Orlando area. And I guess she had said some things about me. I don't know exactly how this all came about, but in order for Andy to get the booking, the pastor said, well, I would like for your wife to speak. 
and Andy thought, well, I'm not getting this booking. That's a, that's a done deal. <laughs> she won't happening. say yes. <laughs> and so he said he would check with me. And when he did, you know, I just felt like I was supposed to do it. It was mm. another one of those things where mm. I got to be obedient. And so I told him, I said, I think I'm supposed to do it. So tell him yes. And then I said, you better do it fast before I change my mind. Right. <laughs> and so he did. And you know, that was another door that opened. And when the time came and I got up there to speak, I mean, I had prayed and prayed about it, believe me. And he was actually more nervous than I was, which is hilarious. But <laughs> I got up to speak and I did it and I wasn't even nervous. Wow. And that was a miracle. I'm like, who is this person? And, you know, God totally did it Sure. because I stepped out in obedience and yeah. It was just amazing. And from that, he opened the door for me to do that kind of on a regular basis. If I actually went out with Andy in concert, I would usually end up speaking a little bit. So, I mean, God just did so many things through through the separation, divorce, and remarriage. I mean, he opened up so many other doors as a result of that. Well, there's, there's a reason for that, Dixie. And that is because you and Andy when you took that step and you were walking through those steps of separation and then divorce, you, you didn't abandon your responsibilities to your children. You didn't abandon the connection that you had with your former spouse, mm -hmm. but you kept your heart open. You kept your heart open to God for him to pour into you and for him to lead you into paths of righteousness. You know, Psalm 23 talks about that and God, he's the good shepherd and he leads us into paths of righteousness. And what ultimately came out of that were, was two changed people, mm -hmm. not, not completely changed, but two people who <laughs> were on a journey right. of seeing his righteousness expressed and the right relationship with him expressed. And you and Andy began to pursue and to grow, um, and become people that were different than you had been before. Definitely. And that that's just another expression of the grace and the mercy and the love and the peace of God. Mm -hmm. and we're going to wrap this up now. We have quite a bit more to talk about. <laughs> and we'll do that in the next time that we have an opportunity to record. I think we're going to do probably that. three of these. Because <laughs> this... <laughs> After uh, after you guys were remarried, you're raising your kids and things are moving along pr uh, pretty well. Um, thing, things didn't st stay with green lights and blue oh, skies. No. no, we've definitely had our challenges um, through the years and, you know, health challenges and different things. But I can tell you one thing. God has always been faithful through it all. And the the growth that happened in the two of you in that season of your life mm -hmm. prepared you for the challenges that you were going to be facing exactly the next season of your life. And when we get together again, we're going to talk about that. Okay. Talk about those challenges. Dixie, thank you so much. Oh, we're, thank you for having me. It's been great being with you. It, it it's it's a challenging thing to open up and talk about your life. And people that you don't know are going to hear this story and it's like, oh, my God, it's going to do it. But yes, your sharing from your heart touches the life of someone else who may be going through something similar or, or something different, but something that you share 
touches their heart. And that's why we're doing this thing that we're doing. So thank you again. Oh, you're very until welcome. The next time, until the next time fun. we line it up and get it going. So, and it's good to see you. It's good to see you on, on you Zoom too. here, Dixie. It really is. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate you asking. Godspeed. Thank you for choosing the Learning to Thrive podcast. We hope you have been encouraged. Please check the show notes where you can learn more about today's episode. Give us a rating, tell your friends, and join us again next week. Together, we are learning to thrive.